Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. Welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name is Lloyd Ross. This episode is on my first financial advisor. <laughs> um, I think that's what we're going to title it, Phil. But it's a story, actually, of what happened to me and what compelled me to get into financial education in the first place, uh, which I think you'll enjoy and hopefully you get value from uh, that will hopefully encourage you to do the same thing. Um, but I, that's it. it's in my nature to do this, so you may be different to me. But but here's my my journey into the the realms of financial the financial world, I suppose you could say, financial jargon, markets, investing, uh, and what started my journey really. So I was back. I don't know if you've heard the first episode of this podcast way back when we started it, the pilot episode, Money Grows on Trees. I think I told a bit about my story, but I was in 2008, I'd left Sydney when Bear Stearns collapsed in the United States. I was getting into, I was wanting to get into investment banking, um, but the banks collapsed basically and there was no jobs really. So I flew to Abu Dhabi and took a job in real estate. I don't know if people know this, but my whole background is mainly real estate. <laughs> uh, it's I'm a, I'm a lawyer, property lawyer. I, I cut my teeth on conveyancing, which is super boring. Um, I aced property law at university, actually, and became a, I was a fully licensed agent at age 20. I was doing some leasing um, for Ray White Commercial and some sales there, and then went into law, became a lawyer, cut my teeth on property law, went to work for the largest developer in the world in Abu Dhabi called Aldar Properties. They had $18 billion worth of projects under development. And had a great mentor there, actually. I might get him on the show. Let's. I'll, I'll, dig, I'll go and talk to him. I'll find him. I haven't spoken to him for a few years. I'll find him. I'm going to bring him on the show, actually. That's going to be fun. He was probably my first mentor outside my dad, I would say, financially and, and in business. And, and he was a great manager. Anyway, so I'm in Abu Dhabi. I'm working in real estate and development, all parts of it. Um, I used to do financial modeling, actually, for the projects, which was pretty gnarly i did financial modeling course and 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 was doing excel spreadsheets and all sorts of stuff so that was cool doing the feasibility studies writing development reports doing master planning talking to consultants engineers that type of stuff project management and i started making some good money well you know it was reasonably good i guess you could say it wasn't great money but it was it was reasonably good and i was single so i didn't have any i had no kids no you know i was 24 and um i i made the decision to not buy a car. I made the decision to flat share with friends. I made the decision to, you know, not buy nice things. I started to save money. And in my book, Money Buys Happiness, the first chapter, I talk about this a bit, where the amount of money I saved allowed me to make the decision to resign eventually from this job and pursue a greater path, right? So money bought me happiness. And that's why the book's titled that. Um, so I was able to do this. Now, when, when you first start saving money, which is what happened to me. After reading Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was quite young, I was probably about 
16 or 17 when I read that book. And I knew that, you know, if I could earn money and save some, that I had to buy assets, right? But I didn't want to buy real estate assets. I just, it was in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, it was not a good market. And I didn't know if it was going to be there for a long time. It was just too many uncertainties. So I didn't really want to tuck myself into a 30-year mortgage in a market I may not be in. So I shied away from real estate. My dad actually says to me all the time, he says, you know, it's a miracle, Lord, you'd never own real estate <laughs> considering you did that and then came into property investment planning and marketing for seven years here and your whole background is property. It is a miracle, but I just never really wanted to get a mortgage. I could, you should, I, uh, you know, really, that's what it was about. It was, it's not about property, you just don't like mortgages. Um, I don't like being someone else's money tree. So I somehow avoided it, but I'm there in, in Abu Dhabi living in Dubai and saving money by making these, you know, I thought at the time, yeah, intelligent decisions, and they were intelligent decisions. I got to the point where it's I needed to invest it, right? Now, there was no financial advisors, licensed financial advisors in Dubai, but they had financial, you know, I, I guess they were advisors. They were brokers, I could you could say. They were brokering funds. So you would go over, you would, you would meet with a, an advisor or a, or a fund rep, and they would take your money and they'd put you into, I guess it was, it would be similar to an index fund, but they're not index funds because they weren't just all stocks. They were f- what's called funds of funds. So you put your money into a fund and then it is, gets dispersed into all these other funds, bond funds, mining sector, stock funds, global funds. It was like a funds of funds. It was pretty diversified. Um, and they take a commission, right? Now, this particular time I was referred to this guy, sat down, went through some stuff, did a fact find, did a risk profile, all that sort of stuff, which is great. But then I was kind of parked into this funds of funds and I didn't really have any control over it, didn't know what it was, didn't understand stocks back then, didn't really understand. I had a basic understanding, right? Uh, because I'd studied corporate finance and, and and you know, during my master's in business and had accounting and, you know, I, I mean, and I had read certain books. So I had a pretty, pretty fair idea, but I didn't have the detailed knowledge I have now um, about, you know, investing particularly i mean i did i didn't know how to set up an online broker account it was hard to do in, in abu dhabi in dubai it wasn't like it is now and you know i was i was putting my faith and trust in someone who referred me to this 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 person so i'd done that and, and i put my money there and i would contribute to it it was a front end loaded fund so you, the more you put in at the front the more you get at the back they were typical you know Front-end loaded funds are typical. And once I'd done it, I was like so excited. I was super, I'm like, yes, I'm finally putting my money to work. It's so exciting. It's fun. But um, I remember talking to my dad. I said, oh, I've just done this for my money. He said, oh, just find out how hard it is to get out. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Uh, all right. So I asked. I said, hey, can I get my money out? They said, yeah, you can, but you have to pay a penalty. You have to pay a penalty because you're pulling it out and we're providing more contributions up front. Like a front-end loaded means if you put more in, we'll give you more I guess you could say shares of this particular fund. So it's an incentive to get you to put in more money at the start, which is fine because you know you, the more you put in at the start, the better because you get the benefit of compounding more effectively. But my dad said to me, he said, ah, try and get the money out. <laughs> so he'd obviously had experience in this um, and I couldn't get it out without paying a penalty. That's okay. Like it wasn't anything bad, but it was at the height of the mining boom and a lot of the money was in mining stocks. So the whole thing just went sideways. Uh, and down for probably four years I would say and I contributed all this money and I was like you know it's really going nowhere it hadn't lost a lot but hadn't gone anywhere and I didn't have control over it and I thought you know what 
this is really not going to work out for me. And, and by that stage, I'd undertaken my CFA charter and my exams, and I'd really sunk my teeth into all Warren Buffett's books, all the investing books I'd get my hands on. And in this CFA charter, which is the highest level of financial uh, qualification you can have in the world. And so I was really well-versed now, and, and I knew my stuff. And I decided to take the money out of that fund. I remember selling it. I paid a penalty to sell it and divest it. But luckily, I'd, my, I'd emigrated back to Australia when I did this. And when I'd come back, the Australian dollar um, had sunk and had fallen against the American dollar. So I was bringing back American dollars that I'd put in over the four years into Australian dollars. And I'd made like a 30% uh, foreign exchange gain. So it offset the penalties and the losses that I accumulated in the account. So it worked out okay in the end. Wasn't too bad. But my roommates who also got involved, one of them, he, he, uh, I think he lost a little bit, but it was salvageable. I think he took his out too. But I guess the, the lesson I learned in that was I was giving my money to someone else under their guidance, so to speak, uh, you know, to, to get returns. And it was in ineffective assets, I've got to say. It wasn't, again, it wasn't brutally bad. There's way worse stories. And the guy that was doing, you know, he had good intentions. There was no ill intentions at all. But the type of products that, that, that were there and that we were investing in were not effective. It wasn't like it is now with an index fund that you have full control over. You can trade like a stock that it's in wonderful companies. And, you know, it's not like that, low cost. It, it's different. So my, but this, what I learned from it, because I I felt I didn't have control, it, it really did compel me to go and study more and become very financial financially literate. Uh, it was one of the driving factors to that. And I also noticed that those that didn't understand finance and money and numbers, particularly numbers, like why I threw myself into the financial modeling course, the CFA charter, read the books, like and got really into the, the arithmetic and the mathematics of it, is because I was I was not it wasn't a strong suit so I don't like having the weaknesses in those areas because I don't like having the wool pulled over my eyes and I'm sure you don't either but that's what compelled me I thought if I'm going to be someone of value and manage money well and I could see what money was going to do and what it could do for people I had to understand it I had to and I spent hours and hours and all my annual leave i'm talking 20 hours a week studying this stuff like you would be more if you got the cfa charter book sent to your house you'd be horrified as what you have to do for that six hour closed book once a year exam and i studied for five years so i put myself through that and i thought "Hmm, like no one's gonna do this so it should put me ahead of most people and that's what has happened to me which is good so the lesson i learned is number one you don't want to give your money to someone to manage, which is why I'm not a big proponent of financial advice. I prefer financial education. I like when people learn themselves and make their own decisions, okay? Um, and so that's the first lesson. Financial education trumps financial advice, okay? And the second lesson I learned was do what others want today so you can have what others can't tomorrow. And I don't, I had a, it was a faith step to, learn something I didn't like, I didn't understand and force myself to learn it because I knew it was good for me. It's like eating your veggies. <laughs> Financial education is like eating your veggies. You got it. You know, it's, it doesn't taste good. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's brutal. It's frustrating. It doesn't, you know, you don't want to, but you know, deep down inside it's good for you. 
right? I guess that's the first approach when it comes to financial education. Because you don't want to pick up books on numbers and not understand it. You don't want to go into a meeting and people talking numbers and you just you, you can't participate in the conversation. I had a meeting this week with some really high-level people. One of them is a billionaire, and which is fascinating. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean these circles where there's people who are billionaires and i just feel so grateful that i learned and educated myself in finance and investing and i was it was a self-education process it really was it was <laughs> you know it wasn't like i got closely mentored by anyone in particular when it came to investing in finance and i owe a lot to warren buffett obviously but i i feel so equipped proud i think confident equipped um, very equipped. Like this, the financial education has, has it does things for me that I couldn't even put into words for you. And it's so valuable. Like it's worth, it's, it's, I mean, if certain things come off in my lifetime, it's worth, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, and even having just the financial peace or, or, or the peace of mind that you're good with numbers and you understand and You don't have to be a flipping rocket scientist either. So that that's the second lesson I learned. I learned that you know education, uh, you know, doing things today you don't want to do is good for you. And I think my 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 old boss, uh, my my only boss actually, <laughs> it's the only time I ever got a wage was four years when I was working in Abu Dhabi. I haven't had a wage since. There you go. I've been on commission only ever since then. What's that? Two thousand and twelve. So I've been on commission only, my own steam for ten years now, which is uh, yeah, it's certainly a personal growth experience. That's for sure. But I wouldn't want it any other way because you'll know whether you're psychologically unemployable or not. Like I just, it's not in me to be in a nine to five. It just doesn't suit me. I like to be my own entrepreneur, right? And and some aren't, and that's okay. But um, the, my boss used to say to me, my point is my boss used to say to me, the roots of education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. And so my parting words to you in this episode is the roots of financial education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. So take this as a sign to really educate yourself financially binge listen to this podcast read my two books listen to the youtube episodes jump into our telegram channel and participate if you haven't joined our money club where i talk about stocks and i've got a whole separate podcast uh, where i actually analyze stocks it's in our money club um i'll get phil to put the link to the money club in this episode jump in there and participate right um do my investing mastery course i just put a story up on my instagram to show you a little bit about that course and there's two graduates from the course that have done it and they've got a great testimony i've put there um so big thanks to dan and sarah for doing that for me um you do the course i mean it's flipping comprehensive i don't know if you can get courses like that anywhere else so go check out my highlights and you want to do that course do it we'll have a chat about it and the ones doing it not that i want to talk about this but if you're wanting to really get into massive action in 2023, I'll, I'll start sharing more results from the program, but I have the Five Steps to Millions mentorship program that I actually physically, like I mentor, um, you know, I think we have 90 in the group now, but uh, there's usually up to 20, 40 on a call and I'm mentoring these legends in the world of finance, entrepreneurship, mindset, money management and so forth the five steps i talk about in my my book money buys happiness and that's they're making big moves like they're 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 really moving the dial fast because they've invested the most they've invested they've committed the most and they're getting the most results so you can do you know educate yourself with all the things i have here for you they're free 
buy the books and do that part, which is the first step. But if you really want to move the dial, come into the mentorship program. It's just like, yeah, you just, you'll get so much out of it because you're fully committed and invested. And um, I wish those types of programs were around when I was younger. They just didn't exist, which is why I created it. Because I, I want, I've created, I hope I've created something that I, I mean, I feel like I've created something that I would have wanted when I was learning. So um, you get all of my content and all of my courses and stuff with that particular mentorship program. It's like the all-in-one, um, but super valuable stuff. So I really encourage you to up-level your financial IQ. Keep learning, never stop learning because the juice is worth the squeeze, okay? The roots of education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. So that's the story of what compelled me to get into more financial education. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, um, shoot me a message or, a, or comment or question back on Instagram. Share this episode if it's valuable. Jump into our stuff. Go to my link tree in my Instagram and roll down all that stuff. It's a pretty easy place to find everything. And uh, maybe I'll see you in the mentorship program, all right? Um, you can have a, I think, yeah, anyone who grabs my books, you get two free coaching calls with Melissa or Melissa, our two financial coaches that'll help you. And then they can qualify to see if you're a good fit for the program. So, hey, might see you on the other side, but hope that episode's been enjoyable. And I'll see you in another episode of Money Grows on Trees podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss. 